Hey everyone, welcome to the Naz Church Weekly Message Podcast. Here you will listen to the preaching pastors from the Naz in Grove City, Ohio. We pray you are inspired by their teachings. Well, good morning everyone and welcome back to week last of our series on Exodus. Uh, This is the last week we'll be in this book in just a couple of short weeks. We will be kicking off a new series in Genesis. And I know some of you are probably going, that's backwards. We're backwards, okay? So that's what we're doing. And so I look forward to seeing it. We're going to be talking about new beginnings. And so let me just kind of let you know, if you've got a friend or you yourself is looking for a new beginning, a fresh start, know that we worship a God uh, who helps bring about those new beginnings, who brings order and beauty out of chaos, and we're going to be walking through that from September through uh, Christmas, and so we look forward to, to seeing you here as we kick all of that off, but we're going to finish up Exodus today. So today we're going to be talking a bit about um, tents, tabernacles, places where God dwells. So last week, Pastor David kind of wrapped up and talked a little bit about uh, just before the people got to go into the land of Canaan, uh, they did not decide to go in because they were afraid of the giants. And uh, if you've not watched that message, you can go back and watch that. Pastor David talked about the giants that we don't tackle during our lifetime we leave for our kids. And so the children of Israel ended up wandering around 40 years in the desert. 40 years they're wandering around. And um, the close of the book, the last few chapters of the book, kind of outline what it means to have a tabernacle Uh, God kind of gave them how this should be built, what should take place, and he said to them that he would be among them. It's kind of a weird, the last five chapters, I'm not going to go into all the detail of, of, you know, we have this linen layer of curtains that are made, followed by another layer of curtains made out of goat's hair, followed by another layer of covering made out of goat skins, followed by another layer of, of badger pelts or something like, I mean, it just keeps going, all these, all these layers of stuff, but God has said, He would be among them. He would dwell with them. And so we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about tabernacles, dwellings, temples, things like that. So if you would, turn to somebody next to you and say, um, tabernacle. It's a weird thing to say to somebody. I just want you to say it, though. I know it sounds weird. sounds like a bad word, doesn't it? Tabernacle. Um, But here's what we're going to do. Uh, If you've got your Bibles with you, we're we're going to turn to Exodus chapter 29. And I'm going to talk to you about a tabernacle as a noun. A tabernacle is a noun. It's a thing. It's a tent. It's something that is built. And uh, this is not going to be an English lesson today. uh, But we're going to talk about some words that are nouns that are made into verbs or verbs that are made into nouns, kind of backwards and forwards. But a tabernacle is one of those words. In Exodus chapter 29, we hear about this tabernacle that was to be built. And God says to Moses, here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to build for the people. She says, so I will consecrate the tent of meeting and the altar and will consecrate Aaron and his sons to serve me as priests. Then I will dwell among the Israelites and be their God. They will know that I'm the Lord, their God, who brought them out of Egypt so that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord, their God. I want you to turn to the person next to you now and say, dwell. Dwell, to dwell, to live with to be among them, God would come down and be in this tent and dwell among them. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. Father, I notice and I pray that you would be here with us. You'd notice in your word that you've said wherever two or three are gathered, 
you're there among them. Lord, here in this passage, you said you would, you would come down and you would dwell among us. So God, I pray that this morning as we are here, you would help us to be aware of your presence. We would know that you are here right now among us, that we would open our ears to hear from you and our hearts, to know that you're here. Help us to see you. Lord, speak to our minds and transform us most of all. Make us to be what you created us to be. And God, help us to acknowledge whatever it is that you're saying to us today and that we would walk in it. All these things, Father, I ask and I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So tabernacle, tabernacle, kind of like we've got some tents up here. And so a tabernacle is usually a place God would come down. He would dwell in the tents and Aaron and his sons would go in. They would kind of prepare things. They would come back out and they would tell the people, here's what God has said. Here's what we're supposed to do. But the tent was kind of a God's house, right? It's a place where you went to go worship God. And, and he, they followed this pillar of cloud during the day and pillar of fire at night. So they knew where God wanted them. And then when he would kind of stop, they would lay the tabernacle out and God would come down and rest inside this place. And so it was a place that you go to, to worship God. And that, that's kind of stuck in our minds as a people. But the word tabernacle gets changed up a little bit. Uh, the word tabernacle in the book of John. John's one of Jesus' followers, and he writes a book. It's one of the first books in the New Testament that talks about Jesus' life. And he says um, in chapter one of his book, so the word became human and made his home among us. Now, some versions will say the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word there uh, for dwelt or for made his home is the word, it's kind of a weird word. They took the word tabernacle, which is a, a noun, and John made it into a verb in Greek. So it says, not, it's not the same word as the word we read later about dwelling or abiding. He says, the word of God became human and tabernacled among us. Isn't that a fun word? Turn to the person next to you and say, let's tabernacle today. Let's go tabernacle about. I would like to tabernacle with you. Um, it's kind of a weird word, right? Um, but that's, that's, what, that's what the Gospel of John says, is Jesus came and dwelt among us. He lived among us. It's kind of like this sense of let's do life together. You ever heard that? People say that a lot now. Let's, let's just do life together. I want to do life together. That's what this says. The very word of God that created everything didn't just come down and live among us like he did in the book of Exodus. He lived among us. He did life with us. We beheld his glory. He was full of unfailing love, the scripture goes on to say. That's what came in and lived among us. So then later on, we take this word tabernacle and we'll talk a bit about a dwelling. So um, we build houses, we build homes, we build tents and they're dwellings. They are places where people can live and hang out. In John chapter 14, later on, John's talking to the people. Jesus is actually speaking to his disciples on the night but he's about to be betrayed and going to be killed the next day. And when he talks to them, he says, hey, I'm going to go away, but don't worry. If I go away, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And he says, in my father's house, some of our versions read are many mansions. What it says is in my father's house are many dwellings, many places for you to live. It's a place to live. But in the next chapter, it's the same night. He's still talking to them. And what he says to them is, hey, abide in me and, and I will abide in you. And the word there is this word dwell. Hey, live in me 
and I will live in you. Let's do life together because apart from me, you really can't do anything. Uh, this living together thing is more than just, now let's build a house um, or hey, let's kind of go camping together some. It's, it's let's live together. Let's be one. Let's become one. You live in me and I will live in you. That's what dwell means. Turn to the person next to you and say, let's dwell together. <laughs> that sounds weird too, doesn't it? It's almost as bad as tabernacle. Let's tabernacle together. This sense of us living together is what God is trying to move us toward. Uh, these, these temples, these things, these houses, these tabernacles, what, what God says is, um, you know, I really don't live in those kind of places. We, we see later on after the people get into the land of Israel, they finally go in, they finally defeat the giants. The people that were afraid of the giants don't get to go. Their kids have to go in and do it with the exception of Caleb and Joshua. And some of you may remember a while back, Caleb was almost 80 years old when all this took place. And Caleb goes and takes on the giants in the mountains. He tells, he tells Joshua, let me take them on. Those are the giants I should have taken on 40 years ago. I'm gonna take them on now. You're going, Caleb, you're too old. He's going, if you're not dead, you're not done. I'm taking on the giants. We're going in there, right? So he does it. Caleb takes on the giants, they, they begin to take over the land. They come to this city called Jerusalem. Uh, later on, they, they have a king named David. And David reaches this place in his life where there is peace and prosperity across the land. And now they've got all that done, it kind of hits him. And so in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 1 to 7, we read this. When King David was settled in his palace, and the Lord had given him rest, or peace is one of the, the words there, given him peace from all the surrounding enemies... The king summoned Nathan the prophet. Look, David said, I'm living in a beautiful cedar palace, but the ark of God's out there in a tent. So Nathan replied to the king, well, then go ahead, do whatever you put your mind to, for the Lord is with you. You've done these great things for God. You're now resting. Sorry you didn't think about God earlier, but now you've got this beautiful palace. Now I'll think about God. And uh, how about this thing over here? Let's, God's out there in a tent. I'm in a nice palace. Let's build a house for God. Nathan says, sure, go ahead. That night, God appears to Nathan in a dream and says to him, go and tell my servant, David, this is what the Lord has declared. Are you the one to build a house for me to live in? I have never lived in a house. From the day I brought the Israelites out of Egypt until this very day, I have always moved from one place to another with a tent and a tabernacle as my dwelling. Yet no matter where I've gone with the Israelites, I have never once complained to Israel's tribal leaders, the shepherds of my people, Israel. I have never asked them, why haven't built, you built me a beautiful cedar house? Whenever we hear the word temple, we think of this building, right? Where God dwells. God will eventually allow David to go and build him a temple. It's a beautiful temple. I think there's a picture up here they may show you. It looks similar to the way the tabernacle was laid out with an outer area around it. It's it's about five times the size of the tabernacle. It's huge compared to the size of the tabernacle. But the layout is basically the same. It's got the same things in it. Later on in the New Testament, people will say that these temples, the tabernacle and the temple are, are basically shadows of like a heavenly temple that really exists. And this is just kind of a place where we have a glimpse into what it's like in heaven, where people are with God all the time. And so these earthly tabernacles are shadows of the other tabernacle. The problem with earthly temples and earthly tabernacles is they can't contain God. 
God says to David, I don't, I don't live in tabernacles. I don't live in temples. I came down and I, I stayed with y'all there in tents for a while, but I've never asked for a house, never needed a house. If I wanted a house, I would build a house. I'm God, I can build a house. Here's what I desire of you. Throughout scripture, he says, don't, don't make sacrifices. I want a broken and contrite heart. I want your obedience. I want you to let me live in you, through you. God says, I don't live in temples made with hands. I created you to be my dwelling. You are my temple. I want to live inside you. In John chapter four, we find Jesus with a woman at a well. And um, it's a Samaritan woman. And for those of you who don't know, um, after David, after David's son Solomon, the kingdom of Israel split in two. And there was Israel and Judah. And Judah basically kept um, Judah, the tribe of Judah, that area where Jerusalem was, Benjamin and a couple of little areas. And the rest of the people went with Samaria and what's, what was called Israel. She had these two kingdoms. Samaria was the capital in the north and those people started being called Samaritans. We read about them Later on, when Jesus is walking around, there were Jews and there were Samaritans. And Samaritans were bad. You didn't like Samaritans. Jesus is at a well talking with this Samaritan woman. And as he's talking to her, he tells her all about her past, all these different things. The woman wants to get in an argument about worship. And she goes, what are you doing here drinking water from me? You know, you Jews, you Jews say we have to worship in Jerusalem. But our fathers built temples here in Samaria and in Dan and in Bethel. We built these temples and we worship. But you all say it doesn't really count unless we go to Jerusalem. Jesus responds to her and says this. Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship while we Jews know all about him. Sounds kind of arrogant. Uh, for salvation comes to the Jews. But, here's what he says, the time is coming, and indeed, it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. What Jesus begins to open up here is an understanding that, that templing, Tabernacling, dwelling is more than just a building. Now, before um, some of y'all start saying or thinking that I'm going, don't come to church anymore, you don't really have to come to church. Uh, somebody in, uh, before first service, I was telling them what the sermon was about, and they're going, well, if you tell everybody quit coming to church, you won't have a job. That's going, well, my job would look different, that's for sure. Um, the, the purpose, though, of what God has for you and me is to be his temples. So rather than thinking of a tent being a place where I go to worship God, I want to kind of flip that understanding on, on its head for just a moment. So I'm going to read a phrase. I'm going to have to have you repeat it after me, okay? Um, and so it goes like this. The temple is not a place to go where people can meet God. Okay, say that with me real quick. The temple is not a place to go where people can meet God. That's what we often think. Why do you go to church? Well, I go to church because that's where God is. I remember as a little kid, this was God's house, you know? And so like running up and down the aisles, we couldn't do that because you don't run in your house, so you don't run in God's house. 
And I remember saying to my mom, I run in the house. Why can't I run in God's house? Like, anyway, it was, it was a bad argument. Uh, didn't go very well. But we have this sense of it's, it's separate. It's God's place. God lives here somehow. Um, but the temple's not a place where people go to meet God. Temples are people who go to the places where people are to reveal God's presence among us. Let that sink in for a second. Temples are people who go to the places where other people are to reveal God's presence among us. Read that with me now that I've said it twice. Temples are people who go to the places where people are to reveal God's presence among us. So what if I began to think of these places where we go as places where I can take God and begin to reveal him to others? This last week, I took my kids to college, dropped them off. It was sad. Y'all can cry for me later. Um, so two of them are gone. Now it's just Liam. So pray for Liam um, as he's home alone. Um, but as I was there, what was interesting is I had these moments where I was with people who were able to speak into my life, who were able to show me where God is moving. And God, it was almost like I had been to church as I was with those people. Imagine if God decided to fill his people in such a way so that we became not only his priests, but we were his temples, so that if I go to an athletic game and I'm watching, I'm actually templing among people. I'm tabernacling among them, right? I, I, I know a few weeks ago I preached on the Ten Commandments and I shouldn't covet, but I always covet these things. When I'm at games, when it's really cold and it's raining and you know the really cool parents that, that are prepared and ready, they come and so they're all zipped up in their nice little cubicle and I'm out there getting wet with my sweatshirt, soaking wet. What if instead of um, seeing this as a place to isolate from others, I began to realize when I go and I'm at the, I'm at the soccer field, when I go and I'm at the football field, when I'm with my kids playing travel ball, whether it's volleyball or soccer or softball or baseball or whatever it is, that when I'm there, I take the presence of God with me. And that people leave that weekend that we were together, they leave that game that we were at going, man, it was so great being there. It's like I saw where God's now moving in my life when I was with John, when I was with Sean, when I was with Mary. That when I'm with them, there's something different about being with them. It's like they always reveal to me where God's working, where God's moving. That's awesome. Imagine if when I went to a barbecue or I'm at Arts in the Alley, people go, man, wasn't Arts in the Alley great? And some of the vendors are going, yeah, man, this guy started talking to me about what was going on and I was sharing with him what was happening in my life. And man, he began to show me where God's already working in my life that God is present, that God's, I never thought of it that way. Arts in the Alley was awesome for me, not because I made a bunch of sales, but because I, God was somehow there. Imagine we go over to our friends' houses and we go to play. The next thing we know, you know, we're with the kids and the kids are in the tents, yelling and screaming and playing and having fun. Yep, moms and dads are sitting down talking about where God's moving in the life of their kids. And I realize it's hard to see God moving in the life of your kids sometimes. Some of you that have kids are laughing. 
Some of you that are about to have kids, just wait. <laughs> it's going to be fun. Right? What if, what if those places, those tents, those play tents where our kids are become places where God somehow is revealed out in the midst of our week? What if those moments we take where we get away for a little bit of time with friends and we go and we, we tabernacle with them? We hang out with them, we camp, we cook, we do life together that somehow God ends up being weirdly present in that place. I can remember a few years ago, uh, this story I heard, guy talked about going to do a wedding of this couple and how they had come together and some of the things that had happened in their life weren't necessarily in the correct order. And uh, they had decided to get married out at this state park. And uh, so he had told them he would do their wedding and he knew kind of the stuff that was gonna be going on at the campsite wasn't the most family friendly, uh, but he took his little kids with him. And he went out there and he said, we're hanging out, we're talking and we're going through things. And he said, this couple told him, they had just started coming to his church, would you do our wedding? But, but we just, we, we wanna be together. We wanna have this wedding. You, you've become important in our life. So we want you to be there, but we don't want you to talk about God and Jesus and all that stuff around our friends. We think it might be offensive. We don't want that to happen. And he said, so some of you may be offended, but I said, oh, okay, let's talk about it when we get there. And they're like, okay. So he, he met with the friends and on the night before the wedding was supposed to happen, uh, they all sat around the campfire, they talked, a lot of crazy things happened. And the next morning, uh, he went out with them for a second to talk about the ceremony, which a lot of people like to plan the ceremony more than the day of, but anyway, that's just the way they did it, right? So he says, walk me out here and show me where this is at. Why is this place so special to you? So they walk out to this spot where there's this huge overlook where they were gonna do the wedding. And they said, when we were here, the first time we came out here and we stayed, we looked at all this and we were just struck by the beauty of it. Like there was something else that was moving in the midst of all this. And they, so they ex- described this whole deal. They described what went on and, and what they felt and their love for each other and all those things. And, and this pastor said to them, man, that's awesome. He said, so let's walk through the ceremony right now. Or let me talk to you a little bit about this and what you're doing. He said, um, I can see how this would bring you all together. He said, while you're sitting here, it's like it's otherworldly. He said, it's like there has to be something bigger than you that created this. And like, oh man, that's exactly what we felt. It's, he said, it's almost like that, that God that created the earth and created these things that, that he is pouring himself in and through you and, and helping you all love one another. And like you get to be a part of something bigger than yourself, like a part of this creation that God has done. They're like, oh, yeah, 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 that's, that, that's exactly what we felt. He goes, man, that's awesome. I can see how that could happen. He said, well, he said, I also believe that, that as that goes on, what God desires of you and me is to, to reflect him. He created you in his likeness and in his image, and he wants you to reflect him. And he said, so when the two of you get married, he said, when he created man and woman. He said, it's not good for them to be alone. And so he brings them together and and we become one and we look like God and we reflect him. And he said, your home can become the place where God is revealed to a world that needs to see it. So that kind of like being out in this place and seeing nature and these mountains and all this stuff, your home can be the place where when people come, 
they sense and feel God in your house the same way you felt this out there. And they're going, that's, that's what we want our house to be. That's it. That's what we want. We, we love that. That's yes. Our friends don't know that love. They don't know what God has done. They, 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 many of them don't even believe in God. He said, well, how about this? He said, how about we pray that your home becomes that kind of a place where you begin to love God more and more. And so your home comes together and God lives in and through you so that when your friends come over, they interact and they begin to sense and feel God moving that way. Wouldn't that be great? And they're like, yeah, man, that would, we would love that. That would be awesome. And he said, okay, man, that's awesome. Thanks for sharing why this place is so special to you. This sounds really awesome. And now remember, they said, we don't want anything about God or Jesus or anything that in our wedding ceremony. And he says, um, so now let's talk about the wedding ceremony. Y'all said you had something in mind. What do you want? And they said, that stuff about God creating and Jesus and how our home can be that kind of place. Can you share all of that with our friends? He goes, I don't know. Maybe I could do that. <laughs> now, what happened in that moment was common, ordinary things that God has done that are really, truly awesome. Someone with God living in them was able to look and say, you know what? God's moving here. And how do we point to what God is doing in and through the world? Because out in the world, when we leave this building, there is a world that is dying, that is hurting, that needs to see God. And perhaps what God is wanting for you and me to do is become temples that walk around. So that whether I'm at an athletic event or whether I'm at a backyard barbecue at my house where I've invited friends over, I'm over at their house, or I'm at Arts in the Alley, whether I've gone camping, or whether I'm at somebody's house playing with their kids and we're having fun and their kids are playing and our kids are playing and we're sitting around talking, God allows you to be his temple in that moment where those people walk away and go, I did not know that God was here but you've helped me see it. What if God wanted to do that in and through you and me? What if that's why he created us in the first place? So that I'm not going to the temple to see God. God isn't living in here. God's not living in here. But God's living in me, and wherever I go, there he goes with me. So in your cubicle, by your locker, what if your locker became the place where people wanted to come because as they were around you, they sensed something different about you? As I pray and bless you all out today, I'm going to ask this. What if the waiters and waitresses in Grove City quit dreading Sunday afternoon because the Christian people are so horrible? But they began to say, man, on Sunday afternoons, the nicest people come in here. I can sense God on them. I don't know what goes on at their church, but it felt like church here at O'Charlie's today. Or at Longhorn. I know I'm getting y'all hungry. It's almost time. <laughs> what if you and I lived in such a way that their lives were altered and their lives were changed because God's presence had been with and in and among them as you templed among them? as you tabernacled with them, as you dwelt with them. See, God is not coming down and God doesn't like go up in heaven and on Sundays come drop down and visit the Naz. That's not what God has ever said he wanted to do. 
God wants to live in and through you and me, and we come together. And when we come together, we are filled to go out and do God's work. Sometimes I get to hear people say, oh, I'm just not being, I'm not really being filled up at church. I need to come to church because I need to be filled up. That's what helps me get through the week. You've totally missed the point. The point of being filled up is to be poured out in the lives of others. Some of you that aren't getting filled up anymore, it's because you haven't poured out what was filled up in you the last week. So there's nothing left to fill. You can delete that out, I guess. If you don't like what I said, you can email me. It's um, bmedley at thenaz.church. Seriously, folks, God has called us to be filled with his Holy Spirit so that during the week, wherever we go, people's lives are changed because you've been with them. The next thing that begins to happen is we come back and we gather with God's people and we share the excitement of what he's done and we are filled back up so that we can go back out to be his holy people at our workplaces, at the gym. This is gonna sound bad, but it might even change the way you act at sporting games. I said in first service, I've gotta be careful as I say that because some of you officiated me when I was an upward coach. And to be honest, I wasn't the most Christ-like in upward coaching, because I wanted to win. But now I'm meddling, we'll move on. What if God began to change our hearts and our lives and our minds? So that where we go, where we walk, we are taking God with us to the areas where people need to see him working. What if people began to say when, when life hit, man, I, I, I can't wait till Sunday. I gotta get to church on Sunday. I need filled back up. What if they just said, man, I wish George would show up. And I wish Bethany were here. When Bethany's around, Bethany is able to help me see what God's doing in the world. And I wish Clay was here, because when Clay's here, man, he sees what God is doing and how God is moving and how God's working. And I feel like I've, I've been in God's presence. Folks, that is what God desires of you and of me. So that it's, not, it's not only that God's not gonna just meet us at this mountain or in Jerusalem, it's not just that God's gonna be at the Naz or Purple Door Church or First Baptist or Covenant or Rock City or wherever. It's that God is seeking people that will worship him in spirit and in truth. And part of worshiping him is being his priests and showing others where he's working. So how does that happen? It happens when you and I decide to lay our lives down and let God do what he wants to do. It's taking him in and allowing him to fill you so that your life is ready to reflect him and what he wants to do in and through you. So you become the temple where you're going. I'm gonna ask you to take out if you came in, you received communion. If you didn't receive that, raise your hand real quick. The ushers will be sure to get to you. If you're watching at home, um, find some stuff there in your cupboard. We're gonna, we're gonna share a meal together. Um, we're gonna do it a little different than normally. Sometimes we wait and we all take it together. What we're gonna do this morning is we're gonna sing a song here in just a second. The worship team's gonna come out and we're gonna pray. Um, we have in our, in our denomination what we call open communion. It means you don't have to be a part of this local church. Right over here to your left, John. John? Anyway, right over here. Here you go, right in front. Um, 
You don't have to be a part of this local church or our denomination. You just have to have accepted Christ as your Savior. And I'm going to pray in just a second um, if you've not been able to do that before. But I want us to think about what God's going to be doing in and through us. So while we're singing these elements that you have, I want you to hold them. I want you to pray with them. Some of you may wish to come down to the altar and pray um, beforehand. Some of you uh, may wish to just sit right there in your seats and pray. Ask the Lord where he wants you to go tabernacling this week, where he wants you dwelling, where he wants you to be his temple. I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, I pray that you'd be with us this morning. Lord, you know where each of us are sitting. God, I know people have walked in here carrying heavy loads, heavy burdens, and sometimes we're having troubles even seeing where it is you're working, where it is that you're moving. God, open our eyes to see our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers, our classmates. God, fill us with your Holy Spirit and help us to be your tabernacle. That we don't have to wait to go to a building to see you. And Lord, that others, they can't wait for us to show up because we help them see where you're working, where you're moving, what you're doing, and Lord, they feel like they've been in your presence. God, I pray that you'd be with my brother or sister that's here right now that, that may not know you. <laughs> they may have walked in today carrying burdens too heavy for them to bear. They were just looking for a little bit of hope, wondering if you're real. God, I pray that you would open their eyes even now to see where you've already been working in their life, where you've already been calling them to you, to let them know how much you love them, how much you care for them. And God, I pray that you would help us to live out the life that you died for us to live. Father, fill us and live in and through us. All these things I ask and pray in Christ's name. Amen. It's my privilege to pass on to you that which was passed on to me, that our Lord, on the night before he was betrayed, he took this meal with his disciples. He said the bread was his body that was broken for us. His, his cup was his blood of a new covenant that was shed for your sins and for my sins. And that whenever we would do this, we did it in remembrance of him. I pray that this morning as you take this, this may sound a little weird and a little too physical, a little too... Um, simple, but as you receive these elements, would you picture as you're praying, just literally taking in the spirit of God, taking in the spirit of Jesus to go out this week and live this out. As we sing together, you can stand if you'd like as we sing. You can kneel at your seat. You can come down the altars. They're yours as we pray this morning and as we sing that God would be everything to us, that we don't need anything else but him. Would you join us as we sing? Thanks for joining us for this week's podcast. Stay connected with us at thenaz.church.